Welcome to the Game Informer Show, weekly podcast about the video game industry. Join us every Thursday for a discussion about the latest gaming news, reviews, and exclusive reveals. I don't think we have any of those today, but, you know, maybe in the future we will. Uh, alongside Game Informer staff and special guests from around the industry, I am your special guest host this week. I'm Kyle Hilliard. Uh, Alex is a busy man, so I'm stepping in for him this week. I am joined by Charles Hart. Hello, I have an exclusive reveal. I had a smoothie for breakfast. And that was on the cover of Game Informer magazine? It will be, yeah. Next. Okay. Just a just a blurry picture of me drinking a smoothie today specifically. You gotta subscribe to see what flavor is what we're going for here. Okay. <laughs> uh, Brian Shea is here. Hello, no exclusive reveals, but I'm happy to be here, however briefly. Oh, that's right. We're gonna kick you out uh this early on. And then uh of course Blake Hester. I have an exclusive reveal. Let's hear it. They canceled the rest of the video games. They said, we're not so good at making these. No more. And they, <laughs> they turned them off. They turned off all the servers. Unplugged Who all did the computers. that? Who flipped the switch? Mario. Well, he was like, we, we are not so good at making well, these. Well, here was the fault with the video game industry. They made it all one switch. So it really it didn't take him oh. much time. He just turned that off. Luckily, the power. There are three that, switch models. Oh. Uh, and that's no, the heat that, we're bringing nope. today to the Game Informer <laughs> podcast. Exclusive reveals. So just like even single player games I can't play anymore? None. Your Shadow. What about my SNES Classic? No, like definitely the, not that. No? No. Oh, because Mario said so. Mario said, hey, these, have you seen what they're doing in these things? So violent. Oh, wait, 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 wait. So it was Charles Martinet's Mario voice, not Chris Pratt's. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. a great point. Yeah, yeah, Who yeah, in yeah. the Mario multiverse... It's it's weird that they got Martin A to record like dialogue in advance of shutting down all the video games. They're <laughs> like, let's bring him into the studio, have some lines ready to go about how video games are bad now. Yeah, <laughs> too violent. Oh gosh! All right, hey, so this week we're talking about Marvel's Midnight Suns, which Shay, I believe you've been playing. Yeah, bit by bit. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a fun game. Oh, cool, and um, we'll we'll say more than that. I think uh, we're nope, also going to talk. It, bye. That's it. Bye. We're talking a little bit of, uh, I'm going to try to get the name right here. Crisis Core Final Fantasy VII Reunion, uh, which I've been playing. Uh, Blake, you're shaking your head. You, you <laughs> don't want to hear about that? No, not no? Really. Okay. All right. Uh, I want to talk a little bit more about Scarlet and Violet uh, before we just never talk about Pokemon again, uh, ever. Nice. That's time. <laughs> And then, uh, you know, we'll we'll check in on what everyone played over the break. I got a special segment, and then we'll we'll answer some questions. So let's start with Midnight Suns. Brian, you've been playing it. This is Firaxis's new strategy game with Marvel characters. Yeah, so uh, I was a part of the team that did the cover story, like, coverage hub. I believe uh, Ben Reeves wrote the cover story, who now, oddly enough, works at Firaxis. Yeah, they're like, this is good. Why don't you just write the game? <laughs> this guy knows his stuff. And uh, But yeah, I was on the team that kind of saw the game, got to play it before it was even officially announced. And I have now played uh, about four hours of the finished product. So um, Matt Miller is handling our review. Unfortunately, he is not available to record today. So you're stuck with me and my uh, four-hour long reviews here. But uh, Matt is handling the actual review. But with um, with Midnight Suns, it's they're taking kind of like it's it's half like the XCOM formula half like card battler where like every character like you have a, a, a hand of cards you draw cards each turn and you have a hand of cards each one has like certain energy that you can use it, it it is kind of interesting that this comes out on the heels of Marvel Snap which also uses kind of like 
the card based and you have energy that you can use but each uh character has different like number of actions they can do over the course of their uh their turn and then as you complete certain actions you build up heroism which can be used to unleash certain attacks that require heroism and uh it's all like you know positioning based and turn based strategy and yeah i'm having a really good time but outside of the battles which i think the battles are probably the highlight but there is like this like social element where you build friendships because you're playing as like a a custom Marvel character that you've created called the Hunter. And it's like this ancient character who had defeated Lilith, who is like kind of the mother of demons that Hydra has resurrected as the main antagonist. And basically you are brought back to life by a team consisting of like a lot of the supernatural heroes. So you have like magic, Nico Minoru, Blade. Wait, did you, you said magic? Yeah, M-A-G-I-K. She's actually an X-Men character, but she uses supernatural abilities. But it's it's a bunch of, like, supernatural side of the the Marvel Universe, but also there's a lot of the iconic characters because, theoretically, they want to sell copies of this game. So there's Iron Man, there's Captain America, there's Doctor Strange, Spider-Man, Wolverine, and a few others that I won't spoil. But, yeah, I'm having a really good time with it. You can go around and, like, they're basically in between missions. You can go around in this uh, this abbey that is in there. And that it's, like, this big, like, haunted mansion type of deal. And everybody's staying there. And, you know, you can go and hang out with the Marvel heroes that are on your team and build friendships. And the stronger your friendships, the more effective they are in battle. If you max out their friendships, you get, like, exclusive abilities for that character that they can use in battle. So there is some utility to the the friendship component and like the social elements of it. But from what so I understand, are you, are, you're, you're playing as the hunter is, is yes. that your name? It's a customizable character, uh, everything from gender to looks, but like, it's not like a super in-depth character creator, but are, are you like walking around like yes. third person? Okay. That's, that's, that's not like XCOM because no. XCOM is all about just like, like bouncing between like sections of the, the base and stuff. Yeah, kind of think like Mass Effect Normandy in terms of like the navigation, but not like, I don't know, it's not, so far at least, it's not that in-depth of like going around and like having that many nooks and crannies to explore. Like in the Normandy, there were so many different rooms you can go in. This one, it seems like there's a few different rooms. It's like an outdoor area where like you'll find like Blade and Captain Marvel and Ghost Rider training. And then there's like the indoor area where you can go to Iron Man to get like new gear crafted or like you can upgrade other gear with like different enchantments by going to Doctor Strange. So like there's also like a hangout area where you can go spend time with people and like like there's like little cutscenes where you'll watch a movie or you'll play uh you know there's references to NBA 2K oddly enough because this game is published by 2K. So like that's one <laughs> what, of the, what like, is, wait, wait what is the reference to NBA 2K? Well that's one of the activities about microtransactions like, and stuff. <laughs> they should because that's all that game has turned into at this point. But no they're like uh, one of the characters early on makes a an argument like he's like playing he's like oh yeah and you're down by x amount of points in the fourth quarter and da da da, da and like Obviously, that's the only sports license that 2K holds. So they're, they, I mean, they're not I'm referencing just, I'm Madden. fascinated by this. Who, which character? You're like, you're being uh, secretive about it. This was uh, the new Ghost Rider, Robbie. So he's like Ghost, a young, So a Ghost Rider character. is talking about NBA 2K. In his human form, yes. Okay. <laughs> but uh, yeah, All Nico right. always wants to watch movies. I don't know what, mo- I, again, I haven't gotten super deep into it. Like it's still introducing a lot of the main characters. I know there are some characters in the main cast I have not met just based on my time with the game and like marketing. So I don't know how long it'll be before I meet them, but I've put about four hours into it and I have a 
good feel for at least the gameplay loop and i've completed probably like five missions so far there's a lot okay. of like dialogue and everything that you, have, you do go through and i've gone through a lot of like the tutorials around the abbey so there's um it, it, there's a cool story behind it with like you know hydra kind of bringing this demon thing back to life and it's trying to take over the world now and there's a lot of like villains in the marvel universe getting corrupted so like you know we've seen venom is this corrupted version of venom that you have to fight that's like under the the control of this demon god woman thing so on the spectrum of fighting a bad guy versus fighting a portal in the sky we're on the we're on the bad guy spectrum of the the marvel sort of storyline <laughs> we are fighting bad guys yes Okay. <laughs> do you have a favorite midnight sun is there any who either in battle or just in interacting with that you're like this is a good character in this game oh man blade is fun because there so there's certain moves have a quick ability where like it, it like you look at the card and you can see like all right well this will have like knockback uh damage or like so you can knock enemies into like obstacles or into each other and like deal extra damage um or like inflict status effects like i knocked a uh a, a hydra minion into like a some sort of like electrical thing and it stunned them for that turn or it deals extra damage if you hit them into like an explosive barrel or something but the quick designation on a move means that if you ko an opponent with that move in that turn it does not cost an action so that allows you to take extra moves which uh, or extra actions which is really helpful and Blade has a few of those as well as some other cool abilities that like apply like bleed to characters and stuff like that. But mm. Captain Marvel's Blade gives pretty bleed. Hmm? Blade gives bleed. Blade, Blade gives, gives bleed. Blade gives bleed. It's very difficult. Because I couldn't say it right. <laughs> it's very difficult to say now that you're saying it, Alan. But yes, Blade gives bleed. And uh Captain Marvel's pretty strong, but the hunter, uh I I'm not a big fan of the character of the hunter because like they're just kind of st- well. You created it, Brian. So this is your own. <laughs> I didn't create their personality, but like oh, okay. they're just kind of stoic. They're just kind of like the blank slate of like the player avatar. It's not really like a whole lot going on with their personality so far, anyway. But I enjoy like Tony Stark and Doctor Strange going back and forth on like you know tech versus magic and things like that. And Tony's obviously like way out of his element because he's like all about like technology and not magic so like there's all like he's like kind of like unsettled being in like this mansion that is obviously very haunted so um yeah it's it there's fun are, are you playing on a, a grid are you moving spaces or is it like are we talking more like mario rabbit i think it's kind of like mario rabbit sparks of hope like there's obviously like there's it, it's more free form it's not grid based okay but yeah you're like moving a cursor around and you can only move actually move one character per turn but then the actions, because the actions aren't really based on proximity. So, like, if you wanted to attack a guy from across the map, you could. But if you're wanting to, like, get away from, like, an area of effect attack that, like... So Venom has an attack that's like, takes one turn to charge, but it shows you, like, hey, anybody in this circle is going to get hit by this attack. And so you can... I had two of my three characters in that circle, so I had to be like, all right, well, this character can probably absorb that attack this character is pretty low on health i'm going to move them out of there but and then so you have to kind of be strategic in that regard but usually the positioning is more based on like all right well can i get knocked back into something or um am i going to be attacked by an aoe attack is this is this out do you know uh it is out this friday it's out this friday okay uh and brian you have to choose right now 
uh midnight suns or mario rabbits for 2022 <laughs> i mean i i've played so little of each like it's hard to like really yeah, make your decision based on your limited experience with both games. i mean i I like Mar uh, Marvel. Mario, there it is. Marvel it stuff is. I like a lot, but I think Mario Rabbids might be the more sound strategy game. But again, I've probably put the same amount of time into both games. Like I think I played like four hours of Mario Rabbids, and I've played about four hours of Midnight Suns. Because my my time has basically been Street Fighter, straight into Sonic Frontier, Street Fighter for our cover story, straight into Sonic Frontiers review, straight into Pokemon for review. Uh, so I have had very little time to play any of these games. It's just like here and there right but you said you wanted to talk pokemon i do you know what i, I let's transition to pokemon let's do it two two, two things were interesting to me uh it, it is the best launch weekend sales in nintendo history is the is the news report in nintendo history nintendo history that's according to gameinformer.com's report oh, <laughs> uh, that i copy paste in this document, I can't trust that. which is is wild it's it's so funny um like, because the, the game, it, it's it, like, if you had it, it, the outside perception of that game right now is just like, I, I feel like mostly disaster. I feel like everyone is just sort of talking about how broken it is. Um, and uh, it's just wild that it doesn't matter. I was thinking about this <laughs> the other day. I was listening to a different podcast by a different outlet full of other grown men who play Pokemon. <laughs> um, and, you know, they were... This American they, Life? Yeah, that's right. This American okay. Life. Iron Glass, huge gamer, historically. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I guess sidetracked remembering, like, how good that show is on almost every front, except video games where Iron Glass is like, hold on, games can make <laughs> so you So you press cry? a button, and how does that make you feel? Games made you cry. More after the break. Stay with us. You're not going to want to miss this. Anyway, um, great show. Shouts out to Iron. No, no, let's come on. Keep talking about this American life. The the lesson I learned from that show is you ask a person a question, Uh right? And then you ask them how they feel about that question. And that's good interviewing, baby. Here's the thing I've engaged with a lot more this American life in the recent past than I have Pokemon. So, uh, so I was listening to this other podcast, The Besties by Polygon, uh, better than this American life. Good show. Of course. And, you know, the, the grown men on there were like, oh, it's a disaster. How does Pokemon keep getting away with this? Thank you for identifying them as grown men. Yeah. <laughs> you have <laughs> yeah, to specify right. as right. opposed to the not grown men. But what they did was they had uh, one of the McElroys, they had his daughter on to talk about it. She's, like, really young. And she's like, the game's fun. I don't care yeah. about any of this. And I was like, oh, that's it. Like, for us, it's like, oh, how could they release something so broken? And for their audience, they're like, monster is fun and cute and it's like yeah like does it actually matter it's like yes it probably does you shouldn't release a broken product but also like is the actual target demographic which is going to make up the most of the consumer base if they don't care does it really matter it's like a weird ethical dilemma well here's here's the thing the reason i even wanted to talk more pokemon which is funny is like we've talked about on the show quite a bit and my reaction has kind of been like, yeah, I, it, yeah, I've run into some problems. It's, but you know, it's Pokemon. It's fun. But like over the last week, I have gotten sucked into the point where I have, like, this is a weird qualifier, but like I, I used to review Pokemon games at Game Informer. I was like the Pokemon guy. This is the first Pokemon game that I am excited to play and finish, uh, that it hasn't been given to me as like an assignment. Like every time I if if a Pokemon game has come out and I haven't reviewed it, I have happily played the first like half hour and been like, you know what, I'm good. But this one, I, like 
I've been really having a good time with it. I'm like really kind of surprised. I guess that's what I'm curious about. As someone who's not gonna play this game, I'm I'm not a Pokemon man. Is um, you're a grown man. Yeah, I'm a grown. I'm I'm, I'm 28. Listeners at home, no time for these children's games. Um, it does the. Are we forcing the technical issue conversation? Because it sounds like you're also in the camp of. It's fun. I just want to play it. Is it like how much of this conversation is not worth having when the game is just fun and you want to play the fun game? I, I mean, Brian talked about a lot in his review, which I'm, I'm sure you can talk on more, Brian. But like those those technical issues should absolutely be acknowledged. Okay. And like it's it's a bummer. Oh, OK, but like the things that they gain from being so experimental about this entry, I think, are are almost worth the sort of the 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 occasional frustration that you encounter Ooh. with the bugs because it's it's not even like the game's breaking for me necessarily it's just that it's like uh that doesn't look good that looks rough yeah the you one, know like it, this is one of the most fun pokemon games i've played and like the way i framed it over and over again because believe it or not people have issue with me scoring it like lower than sword and shield but high enough that they think that it, it should be just a zero because it has bugs what did you By the way, happy it? to not get those emails anymore. People have reached out to me about this, <laughs> and the way I always frame it is it is a game, is a good game that is brought down by its technical issues, but not defined by them. What did you score it? I give it an 8.25. People need real problems in their life. Do not email <laughs> us about score. That's ridiculous. Brian, I'm sorry you have to deal with these idiots. But I... I like I stand by that score because I, yeah. I mean it's easy to look at a highlight reel of glitches on Twitter and be like, oh my god, this game is so broken. But like, it is. It has a lot of technical issues. It's not like a very polished game, and it got docked for that. But at the same time, it, I'm not going to just sit here and ignore like I didn't have a freaking blast with the game. Like it, I, it's some of the most fun I've had all year with with video games. But I, I, as a critic, I also have to acknowledge those bugs, and hence why I brought up that. It's maybe the least, te it's probably the most, the least technically proficient Pokemon game ever. And yeah, they, they yeah, do need probably. to fix that stuff. Like the pop-in is terrible. The frame rates really start chugging in some places. And there was one Pokemon that, that killed me. And I was like, come on, <laughs> what? get out of my way. Like literally killed you. And now literally you killed resuscitated. You? And now you're hosting the Game Informer show. By the way, that was just a joke. I was, I was in an area that I wasn't strong enough to be in. Um, yeah. Which is cool. It's cool to say that about Pokemon. But I have, like, I had a really good time with the game, and I I think that the technical issue should be talked about, but, like, that shouldn't be the only part of the conversation. Yes, Pokemon has, like, the Game Freak has not updated its animations in the way that it should be. I talk about this on All Things Nintendo all the time, where I'm just like, why does Final Fantasy X have better, like, <laughs> battle animations than Pokemon? And Final Fantasy X is 21 years old. And, like, Pokemon is the highest-grossing entertainment franchise. Entertainment franchise on the planet. Yeah, uh, there's plenty. Best launch weekend sales in Nintendo history. And, by the way, I looked it up. Pokemon Sword and Shield, the last mainline game that had two entries, because some people would be like, oh, well, it's because a lot of people bought two copies. It's like, well, Pokemon Sword and Shield had a $6 million or $6 million unit launch weekend. So it's not just because there are two copies of the game it's because that a lot of people were excited for an open world pokemon game and they should be because overall it's a good game but there are some problems with the technical side i think about this all the time like pokemon being as big as it is why do they not give game freak like god of war budgets i mean it's they, like 
it's ridiculous to me that like, they probably do. It's just like it seems like they just want to keep like a lean development. So we've asked them like, why yeah. is your development team so small? And they're like, oh, we like having like a lean development team. And sure, but like, there's no universe where Pokemon. What are the one these Pokemon games? I don't know their names. Scarlet and Violet. <laughs> they like, but they feel like kind of budget titles. It's just crazy to me that Pokemon can be the biggest entertainment property in the world, and then they come in like held together with duct tape. You know? No, I. I agree. I think it's a good, weird. a good point. Also, of like we're we're debating this and it doesn't matter. Like it right, makes me yeah. almost feel weird to be a critic and be, like when I was playing, I was like, wow, I I almost feel conflicted that I these technical issues do really bother me. I was kind of bummed that I got like a very new in the industry. One of my first codes I got advanced was Pokemon, which is like my favorite series. And the first hour, I was like, wow, this game is so janky. But I haven't stopped playing it as much as I feel like I think it should be better. I'm still going to play it and people are still going to buy it. And it's a weird thing of like saying, well, you know, this is this is the last straw. Now they're going to have to yeah. you know, test their games more. But also it sold the most. So maybe, you know, next game they'll test it less. Like I feel like there's. As, as many opinions as we have, it doesn't change the fact that they're very, very successful. And also, it's worth noting that when I reviewed Pokemon Legends Arceus, my biggest criticism of that game was the technical prowess of it. It was poorly running, and then Pokemon Scarlet and Violet runs even worse. But mm-hmm. like, I don't, I don't know how to like reconcile that because, again, like Charles and Kyle have said, we're both have, we're all three of us are having really fun times with it. Yeah. And Blake, you would too if you opened up your inner child a little bit. Yeah, so I, I I play man games like uh, God of, Call of Duty. <laughs> God, God of, of Call, Call of Duty. Duty. I'm playing God of Duty. God of Pooty. Oh, uh, well. Anyway, Pokemon kind of broken, kind of great. Um, also sold a lot. That was that's the sort of the thesis statement of that discussion. Yeah. What do you think Game Freak cares more about? What critics say or dollars, baby? <laughs> what do you think they're concerned about? I mean, I think, I think, I don't think they care what we say, but right. I, do, I bet they care about general reception. Right. You know, like I, I bet those, like, I, I would think that they, they take that to heart. Um, I mean, speaking with them on, on occasion, you know, those, there's when I did the history of the po- history of the series with them, Masuda talked about like one of the toughest times for them was when they saw the a decline in like the popularity ahead of like the release of the next game, and and that that kind of stuff scares them. So, but yeah, I don't the scores i don't know do they care about that who knows i mean unless there's like again some bonus tied to like metacritic score because you know remember there was a time where a lot of developers yeah. and publishers were doing that but like i mean outside I of that think, I, don't, I don't think they do that anymore it seems yeah. like that has fallen by the wayside or at least not as publicly advertised as it once was uh but yeah i don't i mean i think money is the main motivating factor for all these companies so i think you have your answer what? right there <laughs> no they're making it for the love of of the game uh for our entertainment the rapper the game that's right <laughs> they all love the game and they're wanting to make him happy exactly as long as he's happy he they don't care what the fans or the critics say <laughs> the love of the game uh uh brian do you do you want to you want to peace out yep not you want to head out not a moment too soon as i start talking about mid-2000s rappers he's still yeah. around i mean that was my cue <laughs> yeah but that was when he was at his peak you know no nah, he's, he's <laughs> the best is yet to come for the game ah uh, okay all right well this was fun kyle Good job. All right. And Blake See and you, Charles, Brian. I will miss you dearly. Goodbye. I, I live like 10 minutes from you. But you're you're in Kentucky right now, aren't you? Yeah. Are you and meanwhile, Brian, I'll never see you again. So Okay. Yeah, I'm only enough. like 45 minutes from Charles right now, actually. 
That's true. Oh, interesting. Come through. Mm. Roll through. Hang out with me and my mom. Skyline. Yo, let's do it. <laughs> I don't know if we've stopped recording or what, but I'm going to go. Yeah, you you, you right, go. Goodbye. Bye. Oh, thank God. Yeah. Thank God he's finally gone. We don't have to talk about baby games anymore. Time to talk about yeah. Leisure let's Suit talk, Larry. Let's talk about Man Time. A, a game not for babies. Uh, Crisis Core Final oh. Fantasy VII reunion. <laughs> That's for man babies. I for I man. love an unnecessarily long title so much. I uh, I need you're, you know, you're I, not going to like it much longer working with character counts. At That's fair. Yeah, you're going to get really I know, creative coming up with acronyms for video games. I know all of the titles of the Fast and Furious movies. I've never seen one. I've seen Hobbs and Shaw because I thought it seemed stupid, but like. Just the the fact that it's so convoluted is so endlessly fascinating to me of like, why can't it just be two and three and four? Why has it got to be Crisis Core and then Final Fantasy and then seven and then Reunion? What? Is there another Crisis Core? It could just be Final well, Fantasy Crisis Core. There is technically another Crisis Core. Okay, but what does te- elaborate on the technically part for me? Well, it's the PSP game. Crisis Core Final Fantasy seven was a PSP game and Reunion is the remaster, you know, PS4, PS5 version, which I'm reviewing. But honestly, I don't have a, a ton to say about it yet. I'm not super far. Uh, we did a, a new episode of New Gameplay today, Charles and I, where we talked about it. Um, it's a weird thing. It's a weird uh, game to play. It's It was pretty clearly made for PSP, uh, the, the structure of the game, just with the, like, um, the way missions are doled out. They're very quick. And uh, it's weird to play that on a PlayStation 5 where you sit down to play for an hour and you're like, oh, my God, I just did like 20 missions you know, or something like that. But uh, it looks good. The combat looks good. The funny thing is the uh, pre-rendered cutscenes that they're just pulling from the PSP game look kind of rough. Uh, so it's funny because you'll see this pre-rendered cutscene with like really great hair physics that looks kind of like low resolution. And then the gameplay starts and it looks a lot cleaner and at like 60 frames per second. And it's like an odd an odd side by side there but um yeah i i i am not the the biggest final fantasy 7 fan i i've never beaten the original uh i did play the remake and mostly enjoyed it i didn't like the ending but you know that's why there'll be a sequel so they can wreck on that whole thing presumably <laughs> can you imagine yeah <laughs> which i guess this whole the whole remake is kind of a retcon, but that's that's sort of its own complicated issue that we don't have to get into here. But it's it's interesting to play it as someone who whose main interaction with Final Fantasy VII is the remake to play this prequel. I'm actually genuinely kind of excited to learn what the deal is with protagonist Zack because he was kind of teased at the end of remake. So it seems cool so far. The combat feels good. It's not quite up to the tier of seven remake, which has fantastic combat, but it's definitely like you can see the sort of tweaks they made to get it closer to that. Uh, so, so far, so interesting. I'll, I'll have a review on the site soon. Let's see. I wanted, I wanted to see a check in with you guys and see what you played over the break. I, I ended up playing mostly Pokemon, which I was surprised about. Blake, what did, what did you play over these last couple of days off? Nothing. It's a, it's my break. I don't, I'm not playing you didn't, games. You, you don't play games for fun? <laughs> no, not really. No? Um, I You're guess, playing uh, Laser Shoot Larry for work? That's right. Magna Cum Laude, baby. The best one. Um, I've never played a Laser Shoot Larry game. Uh, no, I, I, I did not play anything over the break. I brought my Switch and I just didn't touch it. Uh, but before the break, I've been playing that Immortality, one of the best right. games probably I've ever played, at least 
best game, one of the best games I've played this year. Ever played, dude? It's, ever? It's amazing. Yeah, it's incredible. Better than Tony Hawk's Underground. Two. It's. I didn't it's good. say it's the best game ever made. <laughs> I said it's. You know, uh, Jacob Geller, who you know, no one knows who that is. Uh, you An know, adult I, man who appears I hate on other to podcasts. Even bring up his name, but he has said one smart thing in his life. He said it feels like one of the most mature games ever made. And part of that Which is we've like, established earlier are the only games that you play. Hold on. <laughs> and part of that is like, you know, there's a lot of nudity and cussing. But the other part is like it feels like a very maturely the ESRB. Yeah. <laughs> Disclaimer. Uh, yeah. Nudity. Cussing. <laughs> there's so much nudity in this game. It's out of control. And this is why you think it's one of the best games ever made. I'm going to tell you, you really, why I think that really if you stop interrupting me. <laughs> All Another right. part of that is uh, just like it is a very mature story that I feel like, honestly, even in your Last of Us's and your God of War's fine games in their own right, they're they're not really mature stories. They're kind of just like iterated old classical style stories. And this game's like very obsessed with like auteur theory and kind of like performers roles within creators lives. And it's just like a very interesting take on kind of passion projects and how people use each other in the name of art like it, 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 there's a lot of heady ideas that i i don't always think it's the most subtle with you know sometimes the game has the subtlety of a brick being thrown through the window but like it's also interesting that it's even tackling these these topics and it the way the game is structured where it is fmv and it's telling the meta narrative of three different movies all like wrapped up in this other fourth story that you have to follow and the way the themes of the movies and the game itself all intertwine to kind of unpack what Sam Barlow seems to think is the role of a creator or the abuses of creators and why we should dismantle these systems. Like it's a very fascinating game to me. I think it's too damn long for what it does, but I am just endlessly fascinated with it. And I think the, the leads, all the actors in the game are just out of, control um i don't know any of their names to shout them out but uh just i don't know go to the imd man engages is, is the man engage one. yeah yeah she's great um i really like the the, the there's a blonde guy who's really good <laughs> the main director <laughs> they're all great it's awesome um and then other than that i've been playing call of duty uh, just multiplayer i assume yeah you know they have such an interesting business model over there at uh activision blizzard where they put out as we've established you know call of duty is basically two to three games wrapped into one and they always launch the campaign first and i think that's interesting because it's always some of the worst garbage ever made <laughs> and then they follow that up with non-stop heaters dude the multiplayer they put shoot house in this piece and i if y'all saw me in shoot house you might fire me what shoot house it's, it's a classic call of duty modern warfare map it is just this tight compact map where you know why is it called shoot house is that not both every map in call of duty come to the house and find out why it's called shoot house you'll learn that's a threat um, Jeez. Whoa, it's like this it tight compressed map you kind of have different in kentucky <laughs> you have like <laughs> almost your two end zone areas you know where you spawn on the far sides of the map and then a central kind of mosh pit area as they might call it where everyone kind of collides into each other and so there is no, like, there are a couple camping spots, but for the most part, because of how it necessitates you be very aggressive, 
you're constantly running into the face of other players shooting very like a lot of close quarter shootouts which is different than some maps where there's little hidey holes you can kind of camp your way through you there's some maps in call of duty you can go wild without like actually seeing anyone or being spotted and shoot houses like it's non-stop mayhem it's not as it's not as crazy as like a shipment map which i think is gonna maybe come back into this one which is like hyper condensed map but they put that in there i've been going full toxic gamer mode um uh, they they have just the they have a playlist that is just shoot house and i'm not playing anything else like no other maps <laughs> just shoot house. i do love those maps like in halo 2 mm -hmm. midship yeah was always my favorite because it was just like you're always going to be able to see somebody and you're always going to be in the thick of it there's no like sprinting to the middle it just like cuts out all that that flack you know which i i that actually it's funny i haven't touched the multiplayer for call of duty in, in years at this point but like weirdly the the idea of just like going into a, a very condensed map and getting some you know getting some shooting in quickly like, oh yeah like, dude maybe i'll maybe i'll actually give that a, a try i'll load it up before bed sometimes just drop a quick 30 bomb on them log off for the night I'm done. A 30 bomb? Yeah, that's when I get 30 <laughs> kills and I'm at the top of the leaderboard. Is that I like do. a phrase that people say or is that that's like a, a phrase thing that I Blake say? Says. I'm not, I'm, 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 we're bringing it. We're I'm, doing it. We'll put it I'm in the headline. I'm so glad you're here to interrogate <laughs> these things, Kyle, because Blake says them with such conviction that i'm uh, like oh surely i'm the idiot for not knowing what a 30 well he's is. he's been bragging a lot about being a, a grown man this but i'm true. like truly me... i'm like i'm the next level i'm old man i'm like Whoa. a dad who's not playing call of duty How old are you, Kyle? <laughs> i don't know 30s late the 30s or something something like that someone asked me that recently uh just a stranger just trying to learn more information about me after they asked me a bunch of personal security questions stuff like that <laughs> but they were like oh how old are you and I just reflexively, without thinking about it, I was like, oh, I'm like 27. <laughs> and I was like, and I had to, I, I was like, wait, hold on. No, I'm in my 30s. What, where did that number come from? I guess I just never felt like I aged past 27. But anyway. I'm also playing Warzone 2. It's great. With the, with the cool. audio that you, so you can hear people Dude, nearby. That right? stuff it's is good? so cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's is it really? Because a lot of people have been complaining that it like leads to hearing uh, just and popped insane vulgarities and just offensiveness all the time i mean yeah that's a call of duty staple you know you get what you're signing <laughs> okay. up for there you know what's funny is in modern warfare the 2019 they made a big deal they were like we're combating all the racism in here we're, we're getting rid of it and what was wild about that was it was like overnight that stuff was gone and i was like oh you could have done this 10 years ago you just didn't you just know your base is mostly these people and so you didn't. What is want it? To is it just map. like people getting banned for yeah, using yeah, 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 usernames, stuff? Okay. stuff like that. Like it was just oh. overnight. That stuff was gone. It was awesome. It was they so great. They thirty bombed it. Yeah, that's right. It was so great. And then it was like, great, Call of Duty's cleaned up its act. This is cool. And then they put out the next game in twenty twenty or whatever it was, and it was like immediately back. All the racism, oh, all the terrible stuff. God. I was like, "Oh, you flip the you flip the racism switch back on." You, we learned <laughs> it, it, it would take you less than twenty four hours to clean up the game and make it nice for everyone. And then you said, "Nah, don't worry about that." Anyway, all that stuff's back. I'm having a great time reporting players for their horrible usernames. But the proximity <laughs> it's a chat game in itself, <laughs> yeah, it's great. I love it. The proximity <laughs> chat is crazy because honestly, I haven't run into that much toxic stuff with it. Like. There's a moment in the lobby where the proximity chat flips on for every single player in a Warzone match, which is 
insane because it's 150 people. All That's screaming. how it used to be for PUBG. Yeah. Like, when the very first <laughs> one started, on, on the airplane, every, it would just be a cacophony. Yeah. And then they brightly, probably smartly turned that it's off. It's yeah. insane. But when you get, like, pretty deep in a match, like, you know, maybe 20 people left, so you're not running into many people, and that proximity chat starts going off, dude, it feels like a horror game. Like, when you're just <laughs> like, there is someone here. Am I going to make the calculated decision to let them know I am here, too? Or am I going to mute my mic and try to, like, Sam Fisher this? Like, oh. And they have a thing where if you don't have a full team and there's someone else without a full team, you can then recruit them. So, like, in a three-person oh. squad, you can create, like, a six-person team and all win together. It's not a thing where it's okay. like... Okay, wait, 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 wait. So you run into a group of, like, people on the map and you just talk to them with your human yeah. grown-up man voice? Yes. And you say, like, hey, do you want to team up? And if everyone agrees and they don't shoot each other first, you can become a team. You can recruit them. Like you have this like That's tense cool. moment where it's like, is someone going to betray me? And if not, That's like wild. you recruit them and the game recognizes them as a team member. And then you don't have to ever turn on each other. Like you can win as like a, you know, five person squad and the three squad game mode. Um, you can't do like full, say you're playing like three player squads you can't i don't think you can do a six player squad like it has to be teams that are kind of like maybe a person died or dropped the game so it mm, maybe okay. like caps at five or something but that stuff is really cool or just like i mean friendly trash talking like i haven't encountered anything too bad with the proximity chat where it's just like someone will hear other people talking they're like yo i'm coming to get you like <laughs> where are you at like that's really fun it's really engaging and so far, it, again, hasn't been too bad. I'm sure a lot of people are running into terrible stuff. It's really cool. I think it adds a lot to Warzone, and I love Warzone. It's probably like a top it, 10 favorite game for me. And this has like completely makes it feel new. Like, And there's a bunch of like new features and mechanics that are also cool. But the proximity chat is the thing I'm like super into right now and can't wait to get home and play more. Uh, you're. I did not expect to walk away from this podcast kind of wanting to play Call of Duty. Call I mean, of honestly, good. I enjoy Call of Duty. I have a good time with Call of Duty, yeah. but I just it's it's kind of lower on my priority list of games. But uh, might have to might have to play some Warzone 2.0. Call of Duty, good. Love Call of Duty, and it's free. Well, Warzone, it's free. It's free. Well, Warzone's free. Yeah. Uh, Charles, did you play anything crazy over the break? Uh, play anything crazy? No. <laughs> I. Any average uh, game experiences? <laughs> average games. Uh, Pokemon. I did beat pokemon we already talked a bunch about it but the ending of that game is so wild and i didn't expect it to be wild and all, like it most of the game is like you know very pokemon tutorials of like go here and talk to this person now go in here and learn about the pokedex or whatever and this last one really feels like a mission in like a, a rpg like it, it i don't know it, it feels so much different um, and it was one of those things where I was so immersed in it. And then also <laughs> Pokemon kept spawning inside walls and rocks. So every oh, no. <laughs> like five minutes, I would just be like, oh, that's right. This game is how it is. Wait, real quick. Did you do, ev do you have to do every path to kind of get this ending that you're talking about? Or is it like. Uh, you do, but it's okay. not. Yeah. The, and the way the game was marketed at first, I thought it was like, there were like three paths you choose, but it's really like you kind of just do all of them because you need to do it to explore the map. Yeah, I found, I was surprised. Uh, you just kind of naturally are on all three paths simultaneously, except for me. I I've been like beelining to the Titans because you unlock the like the yes. special abilities. So I like want those first. But uh, yeah, might as well hit up a gym while I'm in the zone. You know. Yes. Yeah. For sure. The, and I think the Titan story is one of my favorite ones. 
but I played that. It's good. I've already shared my experiences about that. I've also, I think I hit 17 hours in God of War this morning, which I'm very much enjoying as well. It's very long and it feels long, but I don't mind it. It's one of those things where I'm like, like, I remember it took me so long, not not saying it's as long as Persona 5, but it took me so long to bite the bullet per, for Persona 5 because I was like, oh my gosh, this game is so long, I'm never going to beat it. But once you actually like sit down and you're like, oh, this is just like a habit I have of I'm just going to keep playing this game for a while. It just feels nice. It's like watching a really long sitcom or something like that. And in God of War, I'm approaching with the, the not like I need to rush through and get to the end because I'm not. I'm invested in the story, but I kind of just want to, you know, ride around on a boat and see Take what this ghost in. has to say. <laughs> what up, ghost? Every every also, I played the the other God of War is one of my favorite games. I'll always have entered for the story because that's the thing I'm most interested in, and then I'm caught off guard by like the mechanics of like, oh my gosh, this gameplay is so fun and not what I was expecting it to be in some ways. So yes, that was my also Fortnite. I always play Fortnite. Oh mm. yeah, I love Fortnite. Thanks. Excited for the big the the world to end in Fortnite this weekend. I only started playing with no build what? mode. I didn't know. About oh yeah, any of this chapter three ends December third at four p.m. Eastern. Oh, I hope I'm home for that. I'll have to play it on my dad's Android. If not, <laughs> is it? Oh, like is it on Android? I think so. Yeah. It is? Yeah, well, that's the problem. It's not on iOS, but it is. On I Android, knew that. Right? Yeah. For some reason, I thought they also had an issue with the Google Play Store, but I am incorrect. So. Yeah, I, I'll have little Fortnite spikes because uh, my, my kid will get into it occasionally. Yeah. And then, then I play with her. But like, yeah, I'm not I'm not. I did buy all the Dragon Ball stuff. I, I, I've bought like five things in Fortnite. One is Kratos because I just thought that was so bizarre. <laughs> that I was like, I gotta have Kratos. That, and I can mirrors on my hip and and he's running around with a gun like that's just insane and then i got all the dragon ball stuff and that was about the height that was the the max of my microtransaction purchases because i like dragon ball so much you guys i've only spent money on one thing in that game and it was goku which i immediately yeah. regretted i wanted bolt instead <laughs> and you should have got the whole pack or whatever no right? oh I'm, I'm sorry <laughs> no. this was sorry for they only you save a couple they bucks. only got one from me and I picked the wrong damn one. <laughs> yeah, at least get Vegeta. What are you no, doing? No, I Goku? just want Bulma. Now I'm still playing as Goku, and I'm like, I could be Bulma now. <laughs> I could be Bulma. Yeah. Uh, she's the best. She changes the game, Blake. Like, if you'd had Bulma, it would be a better experience. You know what game we don't talk about enough? Dragon Ball Z Kakarot. That game's good. Yeah, I play the first couple hours of it. That's what I want from anime games, honestly. Yeah. Is like, yeah, you're I right. I played. I didn't finish it. I didn't finish the Boo Saga, but I played a ton of it. I got through Frieza and Cell, which was wow, a lot of hours. It's further than me. Game's cool. Yeah, it's on Switch now. Maybe I should revisit it. Oh yeah, yeah it's probably it probably it's okay on Switch. Game yeah. like that, I'd be all right. Yeah, I mean, I I did buy Bra- the Breakers. I haven't played the Breakers yet. Embarrassingly, did the tutorial, the multiplayer game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got to play some more of that. I played something else. Oh, what's that? Sonic Frontiers. Have you all played this thing? Yes. I played two out. Actually, my my <laughs> my brother and cousin came over and discovered a fishing mini game. <laughs> like I was like, yeah, you can just mess around with in it for like two minutes, and then found the fishing spot, and I didn't know that was in it. I want to unpa- I want to unpack this with someone because I I haven't right. talked to anybody. I've I've heard a tease. I uh, the person that we mentioned earlier that we're not allowed to mention, Jacob Geller, 
tease to me your uh, appreciation of Sonic Frontiers. I'd love to unpack this. I've seen people say, hey, this game's pretty good. And I've tried. And I think this game is dog water. Like, <laughs> like I gave it, I was like really stoked for this game. I love Sonic. Like, love, love, love Sonic. And I think this game is like largely unplayable. Like, I don't know what that's, I'm that's missing. That's harsh. That's I don't harsh, know what yeah. I'm missing. Like, I will load into it and be like, this is going to be the moment I find the fun. And then I run and then I it knocks me in the other direction or like I play these side scrolling levels that look so cool and then every 2 seconds it's like what if you slowed down to a snail's pace what if you stopped <laughs> having fun in the video game and that is my entire experience with this game is sitting down like I'm going to have some damn fun rolling around at the speed of sound got places to go got a I it stopped me it stopped my progress I So are you hitting like bugs No it's I, just like no? I'm just running into walls It does just feel weird Kyle have you played it yeah, I played yeah. like two hours of it, and I'm certainly like, it's that sort of Sonic asterisk that everyone yeah. gives it, where I'm like, well, it's Sonic, but I was like, this is the most fun I've had with Sonic since like Adventure Two. I know, personally, I, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. I don't know if it's a me problem or a Sonic problem. Historically, it's always been a damn Sonic problem. <laughs> but, like, I gave this game, I gave it a shot, and I just like it, it's been blowing my mind listening to other people talk about this game where I was like, this thing's kind of good. And I'm like, I, at what point is this game kind of good? I played like three or four hours of it, which I think yeah. it's more than enough time to figure out if a game is good. And you got to like where it opens up a little bit. Yeah. Sure, yeah. Right. But then, that's, like, that's kind of where I enjoyed it. Cause it's like, you just kind of jump on that, that, that grind rail yeah. and you hit that loop to loop. Well, there's, I don't think there's any loop to loops actually, but yeah, I'm sorry, Blake. I'm sorry. You're having such a terrible experience. The mission structure too was blowing my mind. It was like, Hey, Amy needs a bunch of things out in this world. Go find them. So I spent all this time going to find them. And I was like, here you go, Amy. And then it turns out there's a different Amy hologram on this side of the map. And she needs another set of these little hearts I just found out in the map. I'm like, what are you doing? I spent an hour getting these just to find out this was not the only Amy hologram that I have to free. And then I finally free this one. And then there's a weird mini game where these little cute monsters are blowing up and I have to herd them like sheep to their mom, but they're, they're dropping bombs. I'm like, what the hell is this game? Where's the fun? What is anyone talking about? Why is Yuji Naka in jail during all this? <laughs> like, what this? Insider trading, uh, to be clear. It blew, I just, I, I, I really had a, an odyssey with this game, trying to find the fun, and I can't. But it's weird that Kellen Quinn does a song in this. He was really po- his band was. Who's really, Kellen Quinn? He's in this really bad band that like was really popular when I was in high school, and then I saw a video, and they're like, "This Kellen Quinn song's pretty good." And I was like, "Oh, it's not, but that's crazy." He's what was the game. What was the band? Sleeping with Sirens. And then there's like One OK Rock does a song in it. And I'm like, that's kind of cool. It's I, like a wild soundtrack. Yeah. I'm actually into the soundtrack of Sonic Frontiers, even though the sort of walking around quiet kind of tinkly piano. Yeah. I'm like, this is, I like this. This is pretty sweet. The combat feels cool or looks cool and feels like in theory would be cool. But then it's just like mash the square button and it'll look cool, but there's not really much interaction outside of it. Like, it's a bizarre game. I think, I think you've summed up Sonic games in general with that statement. It <laughs> looks cool. It should be cool. Yeah. But then when you're actually playing it, you're kind of like, eh. I found my Dreamcast at my parents' house. I'm going to take it home and play Sonic Adventure and Sonic Adventure 2 again. And, like, 
I just think that's going to be the way I enjoy Sonic in 2022. But man, what a yeah. journey I went on with Frontiers. I, or uh, uh, yeah, I'm I'm sorry. I actually I I've been pretty positive on Sonic. I, yeah. I admittedly haven't gone back to it since Pokemon kind of sucked me in and yeah. like I but um it is I've I also played Sonic 06 all the way through uh on this very website you, and like maybe that just you can only go up from there so you had a really good joke on that that i think about a lot where someone was like hey game informers top five bridges list and you're like of madison county <laughs> i think that joke is so funny <laughs> think about it a lot and now i sound like i sound like i'm laughing at my own joke uh, i don't remember it so it sounds like a new joke to me okay? it's really funny uh, well thank you blake anyway for watching that was that. my journey through sonic frontiers i was so stoked for that game and i just cannot enjoy it charles have you played it have you touched it at all i have i i i'm somewhere in the middle of i i was playing it and i was like this is fine and then my god of war code came and i was like oh thank god um <laughs> not, not that i don't know i didn't hate it i also didn't really love it i yeah. have a mixed relationship with sonic or complicated relationship with sonic where i thought he was so cool when i was younger he is um, yeah. my one of my favorite sonic games i'm not saying it's a good one I'm just saying it's one of my favorite ones. It's Sonic and the Black Knight because it came out on the Wii. On the Wii, it came out. All right. Two weeks before my ninth birthday, my dad dad walks into Toys R Us and says, "Hey, what's the game I can get my nine year old?" They're like, "Hey, this Sonic game just came out," and he's like, "All right." And then he bought me Sonic and the Black Knight, and I was so bad at it, but Sonic. Plus a sword, I was like, "This is the coolest thing I've ever seen in my entire life." This is when they video games have peaked. They're gonna Mario's <laughs> gonna flip the switch and say, "We're done." Absolutely. <laughs> also, Mario and Sonic: The Olympic Games was like a very. I think that was also like 2008 or two. That was 2008 because it was Olympics. So that's why my, my relationship with Sonic is like, what a cool guy who I haven't actually played any of his most iconic games. That's funny. That's funny that that's the one that sticks out for you. I like running around. I like. Uh, you know, I really like running in a circle around an enemy. I don't know what it is. That really does it for me. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. It's 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 fine. I, I don't I don't want to take it away from people that like it, but it's not something I'm personally super invested in. Charles, you gotta play Sonic Adventure, dude. I was thinking it's like the oh, the Steam's of uh, the uh, uh, autumn sale ends in three oh. minutes dude go um, pick it up you but get, i think it's like four dollars on you can there. raise your little chows and whatnot i love the chows if you have the dreamcast they show up on the little the little memory card screen the vmu yeah i i that's what i'm most looking forward to playing this year is going back to minnesota and playing sonic adventure on my dreamcast on this podcast going to buy sonic adventure 2 because it is two dollars and fifty cents go. on steam yeah oh man and I have a Steam Deck. Ooh, that's I, that was the thing in my head. I'm like, I have a Steam Deck. I think I need to have that on my Steam, con, my Steam Deck console. All right, we got two minutes. We're gonna be able to pull this off. Well, they're Done. doing this. I don't this. want to add authenticator. How cool was the Dreamcast? They don't make game games aren't cool anymore, listeners. Back in the day, video games were cool. They were doing weird stuff. This Dreamcast had like a little Game Boy. Well, not a Game Boy. It was a Sega. But it had a little screen in the memory card that you would stick in the controller, and it would display little pictures while you're playing the game. And that was cool. Then you could pop it out, and some games would have mini games you would play on the memory card, which, again, had a screen on it, had a little D-pad, had a little buttons. Now they just make sad dads. 
But back in the day, you were this well, crazy little blue hedgehog, Mr. Needlemouse, running around these human cities, raising your little jelly children called Chows. Then you could play Shinmu. Don't even get me started on Shinmu. This was the most out of control thing nine-year-old Blake had ever seen. Shinmu. You had to play this game one day at a time. Will oh, Wright could it. never. This game. Another, worked. another. Uh, you could watch me play it in full on this very website. I have <laughs> seen it. You played it with Reiner. It was awesome. Uh, I love Shinmu. Uh, they had Space Channel Five dancing game where you played this this wild lady named Ulala. It was awesome. They just made a new one for PSVR a couple of years ago. I haven't played that, but I think Matt Leone told me it was good. That's Marvel vs. Capcom 2. That's where I That's played that. Right. On Power Stone, Sonic Adventure 2, Nights into Dreams. The, Sonic had a card game, Sonic Shuffle, on the Dreamcast. That game was cool, too. I would assume that's a dancing game. No, no, no. I, no, I believe no, that it's no, a card no. game, but I'm picturing like a Sonic DDR. I have like no experience with sega consoles like they're all i was just too young for them and then they died and i think it's such an interesting thing they were the only company that made cool game consoles <laughs> like the sega dreamcast which had jet set radio on it which had that song birthday cake or whatever that uh everyone loves the sean lennon john lennon's son the bassist of that band chibo mato and they had a song on jet set radio wait wait wait, wait. Okay, no, this isn't important. But John Lennon named his son Sean. Yeah, yeah. Or are yeah. you making it was that? No, a that's joke? a real yeah. thing. You can look him up on Spotify. He has. That's so silly. Yeah, he has. That's a like if I had a son and named him Charles. He has like a huge body of work. He was in Chibamato, which is this like wild Japanese group. I think one of them went on to be in the Gorillas or something. And then he had a solo career. He had a song called Dead Meat that was pretty good. And yeah, <laughs> just John Lennon's son, Sean. It's just there the wrong go. name. I don't know why that bugs me so much. Yeah. I, I mean, I know Kyle. Your name, your kids' names are Shile and Grile. <laughs> That's right. That's Lyle. Right. Yeah. All right, guys, keep vamping. I'm trying to buy oh, Sonic sorry. Adventure Two. On what Steam. else was on the Dreamcast? Oh. Man, the Dreamcast. The wild thing about the Dreamcast is all the 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 people who came out of it. They were doing crazy stuff. There's a really good Archipel documentary about the Dreamcast. I recommend finding. It's like a two part documentary series. They interview all kinds of people. I think um. The Res guy, they talked to him. I think they talked to Toshi, uh, Nagoshi from RGG. Well, he's not at RGG anymore, but he was working with Yu Suzuki's team. He did like uh, the racing game Virtual Racer. He worked on Shinmu as well. Um, okay, shut up, Blake. I was able to purchase Sonic Adventure 2. And RGG, okay. in a lot of ways, feels <laughs> like the spiritual successor to a lot of what Suzuki was doing during the Dreamcast era, which I feel like is kind of overlooked because RGG tries to downplay the Shinmu connection, but Yakuza just Shinmu sequels as far as I'm concerned. Okay, Blake, I have a, a new segment for the show What's that up? I jokingly discuss with you, and yeah. you said, let's do it, uh, oh. half jokingly committing. So there's a new segment. Alex gave me the keys to the podcast. Okay. So this is a new weekly uh, segment that weekly. he has to do moving forward. Yeah. Whoa. Okay, you guys, I have, a, I have a whole spiel right now. It's time for a new segment. Blake Hester has bad opinions. <laughs> A disclaimer before we begin this segment. There is no such thing as a bad or wrong opinion. Yes, there An is. opinion is just a representation of how you feel about something. <laughs> there is no objective wrong or right when it comes to analyzing art. It is entirely possible, however, to disagree with someone's opinion or to have an opinion that is not widely held by the larger population. This segment is only called Blake Hester Has Bad Opinions because it is a catchy segment name, and I fully acknowledge that the thesis is functionally broken from the outset. Okay. This week's topic, the late 90s new metal rap rock 
Band, whose debut uh-huh. album, $3 Bill, y'all, Yo. featured a rock cover of the hit George Michael Yo, song, Faith. Lo- yeah. Limp Biscuit. Limp Biscuit. How do you feel about Limp Biscuit, Blake Hester? Jacksonville's own. Limp Biscuit, Fred West and the boys. Oh, Limp Biscuit's awesome. All right. And I'm ready to talk about this. All right. You know, all these crusty old men in their 30s, 40s, I guess in my dad's case, in his 50s now. They're like, oh, new metal is so bad. It's such a bad genre for all these stupid dudes. Anyway, I'm going to go listen to Nirvana, the most boring band that's ever existed. <laughs> new metal is so interesting for kids my age because when you were growing up, your parents kids. were listening to all this grunge stuff, which largely sounds the same. Pearl Jam, Silver Chair, Nirvana, uh, Soundgarden, like all good bands in their own right. Like there's some standouts in that, like Pearl Jam whips. Like that band's rad. Silverchair is awesome. Nirvana sucks. Hole is clearly the better <laughs> band of that whole thing. Foo Fighters has wiped the floor with, you know, Kurt's memory. It doesn't matter anymore. But new metal, I feel like back in the day, you had all these boy bands and girl bands out. Like music was so sterile and like just like it was just the same garbage over and over. And the new metal came out. And just sonically was so different and so interesting. Yeah, a lot of it has aged really badly. Like Limp Biscuit, like like Limp Biscuit, yes. Limp Biscuit, like had said their whole thing was very tongue in cheek. They were sarcastic, but I think Fred Durst did pretty quickly bought into his own persona. But musically, the stuff was like so far ahead of its time in terms of like where metal would go and where hardcore would go in terms of like down tuning and seven string and like breakdowns and using whammy and octave modulation it was like two decades ahead of its time before like sworn in and all those bands came out and varials and knocked loose which i've all of them would cite like yeah slipknot limp biscuit like they were massive influences on us i think for a kid growing up then who like was interested in music that wasn't just like backstreet boys or nsync which were great in their own right but like wanted something different out of music when you heard something like corns follow the leader or um the one before that i can't remember issues or limp biscuits hot dog flavor water and you heard uh, to be some... clear, issues came out after follow the leader just that's wondering. right that's right um or th- three dollar bill y'all or hot dog flavor water and chocolate starfish are definitely a significant other limp biscuits best album not just because they name dropped my hometown louisville and uh, the last song on the album they were just like very musically interesting bands who were like really experimenting within the framework of metal and hip-hop and kind of the cross-section of that which was not like established with new metal like public enemy and anthrax had had that like really big collaboration they did and i guess to a uh, Run DMC and Aerosmith also had done some stuff. Anthrax it j- had just done it a lot before Public Enemy. But like they were just like very interesting bands that brought more to the table but were kind of just like discarded for Korn I felt like was discarded because they were like kind of in touch with their emotions. Like people just didn't want to listen to Jonathan Davis be like, hey I'm trying to unpack like years of childhood trauma and abuse and people are like, oh it's stupid he wears a he wears a skirt. It's like, shut up, shut up, shut, like, shut your mouth. I'm, I'm sorry. He didn't get up there and basically just sing pop songs with a distorted guitar. Like Kurt Cobain was up there doing also a man in touch with his emotions. That's what uh, I was to say. <laughs> Limp Biscuit, in touch <laughs> Limp Biscuit, unfortunately had Fred Durst, <laughs> you know, which is his a own man bag of in touch with a hat. But Wes Borland, like is one of the best guitarists the last 20 years. Like, that dude 
completely rethought how to approach guitar playing. And I think bands to this day, bands that are blowing up, like Bring Me the Horizon, one of the biggest rock acts in the world, I feel like are just ripping off things West Portland did 25 years ago. Like the way he incorporated, uh, same as Tom Morello, honestly, where he's like, what is the cross section of heavy music, punk music, and hip hop? And how do I do that with just one instrument? How do I mimic samples? How do I mimic the rhythm sections on a guitar? Like that stuff was so far ahead of its time. And it's like, yeah, and Fred Durst is also singing like, I came into the world as a reject. (laughs) You know, it's like, whatever, that doesn't matter. Everything around it, the package is so fascinating and so ahead of its time. And if you listen to any of the big metal acts today, you can identify like, yeah, there's the corn influence. There's the Limp Bizkit influence. And the biggest one of them all is Slipknot. Like that band's great. You cannot mess with Slipknot. The world has finally come around. It's like, yeah, Slipknot's untouchable. <laughs> the best metal acts to ever do it. But like, I think equally as important is like what Limp Bizkit was doing, what corn was doing. I mean, um, Drowning Pool to a lesser extent, maybe if you kind of, Sepultura as well, Jesus Christ. Um, in terms of bringing like kind of more um, traditional music into it. Cause I think they were South American and they were using a lot of their home bases and influence or Armenia with system of a down. Like they were incorporating a lot of like Armenian influence and kind of like their home where they came from into that music and finding new niches within metal. That's why new metal is one of the best genres that ever existed. It's one of the quietly most influential and most important genres of heavy music. But it gets thrown under the bus because Fred Durst sang a song about Nookie. (laughs) Like, that's it. That's it. That's it. Like, everything else was so interesting. Yeah. We got it. There you go. And that's not a, that's a good opinion. That's our segment where Blake Hester tries to explain why his bad opinion is a good opinion. (laughs) (laughs) Limp Bizkit, the most important, the most important band of the last two decades. Here's the best new metal records, as far as I'm concerned. They're all your standbys. No surprises here. Significant Other by Limp Bizkit. That album is so sick issues was really good i like that record um iowa probably the best new metal record and toxicity though that's not the best system of a down record toxicity is definitely not their best but i think by the time they hit hypnotize and mesmerize they were less of a new metal band there's a pokemon spoiler alert if you don't want to hear about different pokemon there's a pokemon called toxtricity Oh, that's cool. And Scarlet and mm-hmm. Violet. Mm-hmm. And then a modern yeah. new metal record that was really good. Uh, the Death Card by Sworn In. That was a good record. And it was Toxtricity is from Sword and Shield, by the way. Oh, thank the, you, Charles. The I Toxtricity apologize. of our city. Of our city. Those are all the standbys. Just listen to those. Good stuff. Cool. Well, tune in next week for... We got to figure out a new weird opinion for Blake to have <laughs> uh, for him to talk it's, a lot about. New metal this is, is so I feel like right I stumbled upon something you've really been needing to share. Yeah. You didn't have a, an did, audience Did for. you? Do, are you all on my side now? Do you? Are you like, yeah, you raise good points? You, you spoke a lot about a lot of things and I still could not name a single Limp Bizkit song. Yeah, you, I feel like I'm too I'm too young for this conversation. They have that song Break Stuff. You've heard that one. It's just one of those I will I'll say this Blake. After this I will I will go and listen to some significant other. An album Dude. that I admittedly listened to a whole lot when I was younger. Oh, that record's so <laughs> Good bass, great bass on that, that album. Great I think it's Trust. Guitar. I think it's the song Trust. That one's really I like that one a lot. Hey, y'all, your editor, Matt, a.k.a. Stormageddon here, popping in really quick just to say that, in fact, Blake Hester has good opinions and that he is 100% correct on this specific opinion and topic. But now, back to the show. Cool. All right, so we'll finish up here, and we'll do a handful of 
questions. You guys ready for these? Yes. Yep. Okay, so Matt Storm, Stormageddon from the Discord, asks, what is one game that came out this year that you are excited for, but no, you won't get to play until next year? Uh, for them, it's Midnight Suns. Blake, you're going to hate me for this, but it might be Immortality for me. Yeah, you're going to look like a fool when we give it Game of the Year. I have it downloaded on every platform I can, right? I have it on my phone. I have it on my Xbox. Haven't started it. Don't realistically know that I will this year. Not not from, like, lack of interest or anything like that. Just, like, I... I, Yeah, I don't know. What what about you guys, Charles? Do you have one of those? Mine is probably Midnight Suns. I've kind of had time to get around to everything that I wanted to get to this year. Midnight Suns, I'm, like, kind of interested in, but not, like, crazy about. But yeah, that's probably my answer. You got one, Blake? I mean, I, I I respect Matt thinking I'll play this play any of these games next year if I don't get to them this year. I probably <laughs> won't. But um, Sonic Adventure Two is now on this list. Hyper Demon. <laughs> that game seems cool, but I'm probably not gonna play it. I haven't installed. Hyper but Demon. It's probably just not gonna happen. And there's okay. no universe where I would play it next year instead. So that I thought I was gonna play Metal Hell Singer, but like I just don't like mm. that genre of metal enough to like deal that with it. Yeah. Um and there was one more Signalis. Signalis. Oh mm. yeah. I this this was too. this was the week. If there was ever a week I was gonna play it and I have not started it. So that's probably it. That was one I, I started just randomly. I was like mm-hmm. going through um Game Pass games. I was like, oh, that looks interesting. And I started it and I was like three hours in all of a sudden. I was like, oh guess i'm beating this one which i did that's how i felt about immortality is i booted it up and i was like oh i've marcus talked about this last week this this might seem interesting and then i like (laughs) i was gonna go grocery shopping to get stuff for dinner and my girlfriend was texting me like hey you ready to go and i was like we're we're just gonna doordash i don't feel (laughs) i'm not i'm too invested in this right now we're ordering Um, tonight because i've started playing this game yeah uh, let's see. Uh, Jadonk Donk from Discord asks, it's beginning to smell a lot like video games. Certain basement smells remind me of the original StarCraft. What are your nostalgic <laughs> smells that remind you of gaming? It's beginning to smell a lot like video games. I read this question and I immediately had an answer. It was kind of upsetting me about myself. Is <laughs> When I was a kid, I've talked at length about it. First game was Lego Star Wars. My brother and I would sit at the family computer and it was right by the the vent so Mm -hmm. when it was in the winter it was hot air and when it was in the summer it was cold air but something about the combination of like the computer exhaust smell with the ac is like instant lego star wars and i only i haven't gotten it since then because i don't sit in this specific combination of areas but that's my right. smell. Yeah, mine mine it's actually more temperature than smell. When it when it starts cooling down, I feel like, oh, it's time to play Assassin's Creed. I don't know why. Mm. That's when they come out. I guess so, yeah. Mine is this basement I'm in right now, which is my parents' basement, because I'm back home. Which just smells like, I don't know, a normal basement, finished basement, like carpet, dog, because we have a bunch of dogs. And it reminds me of Yakuza games, because the first place I played yakuza which is my favorite series was here like you played the original ps2 one no it was yakuza zero uh that was our first one and then right around that same time because they came out the same year i played near automata which was like a very big game for me so i feel very wistful about those two games when i'm kind of in this basement weirdly enough thought about that 
before hopping on this call and I didn't, <laughs> no. I didn't see the question. Like it was just a coincidence walking down here. Um, I think I've played every Yakuza game I've played in this basement. Are you behind it all? Did, did you finish Like a Dragon? Like, do you, Can you only play it while you're there? I, I played Like a Dragon. <laughs> I played Lost Judgment in Minneapolis. But, uh, oh, okay. But Minneapolis I played all the, the B-tier yeah, uh, RGG say, yeah. game. Yeah, that is one of the weaker ones. But yeah, cool. try that. Uh, Ace Killick, Cody Gibson from uh, the Discord, asks, was there a game this year that gave you uh, that childlike feeling of awe and wonder? Um, and if, if it wasn't this year, then what was the last game to do it for you? For, uh, maybe a weird, I don't know, maybe it's not a weird one, but like God of War is one of those games that's like, if I ever, you know, you kind of come and you kind of wane. It's like, I don't, I'm not as, I haven't found a great game to really suck me in. God of War is always the one that like brings me back and it's like, oh yeah, this is why video games are so good is stuff like this. So and that happened again with Ragnarok. Mine, predictable, given my last answer, is Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga. <laughs> sure. Because that was, it was such a foundational game. My brother is away at college now, but he came home in the summer and just when we were together, specifically playing through like the levels that were in Lego Star Wars 1 and now being like, so much more fleshed out and also like when you're five you'll play anything and it's the coolest thing ever but i specifically like we played so many hours of this game that was clearly only designed to be played for like 10 hours maybe and came up with all these theories of like oh maybe if you double jump here you can get over the gate and unlock a second level or oh maybe if you do this you can do that and even just wanting to do things like i don't know maybe i want qui-gon Jin to hold his lightsaber but not have it on because i think that would be cool and just yeah. like little things like that, it's like, oh, you can explore now. Oh, and I can turn off my lightsaber and still hold it, which is a thing I cared about for some reason. But yes, that was that was the big one. Gosh, was that this year? That game? That was April. Jeez. All right. I remember Nier Automata kind of blowing my mind when I played it in 2017. For all the reasons everyone's talked about being like, oh, is where the story's going? I really like the final boss where it's jumping between the two characters at increasingly fast speeds. Um, mm. I thought that was really, really cool. Uh, and I remember being really impressed by that. I guess more recently, when I discovered the thing in Immortality that you're like, it doesn't tell you you're looking for, but eventually yeah, no spoilers, you please. see it. Or eventually mm. you like figure out what you need to be doing in each scene. I remember it wasn't like a wonder moment, like the shot of dread and fear that shot through me when, I, <laughs> when it happened for the first yeah. time was like profound. Like, I remember being, like, genuinely, like, that's f***ed up. Sorry. Um, now so, I got a sensor, and I got to make a note. Yeah, sorry about that one. But that was the only word to explain it. It was, like, it got me. It got me. I was like, that's crazy. But it did not fill me with wonder. It filled me with, I want to jump out my window and run away from this game forever. <laughs> but near Automata, I remember being like, this is wild. This is a wild thing. And then you find out he's been doing that for like 15 years throughout every game he's ever made. And it's like, okay, <laughs> well, whatever. All right, let's see. Uh, J Herb 24 from Discord wants to know, how do you take your coffee? What's your Starbucks order? Iced Americano, no cream, no sugar. Did you used to work in a coffee shop, Plague? Did... Yeah, five years. Okay. Right up the road. Okay. Heine Brothers on Blankenbaker. Gotcha. Okay, because I, I, I remember when you were an intern, I remember you telling me about that. Because I remember I think I was asking you questions about iced coffee or something. I'm not the biggest coffee guy, but in the last couple of years, like I like just a like a nice iced coffee with milk. Kind of keep it simple. I have a I have like a insatiable sweet tooth, but not with coffee. It's weird. I don't really like sweet coffee, but I will I will eat candy until I explode. 
at Starbucks, I get the most basic drink, which is a tall caramel macchiato, which you could also use to describe me as a person. I'm a tall caramel macchiato. Um, <laughs> when I'm at home, I will just do black coffee and then I have like French vanilla creamer with just like a little bit of that and no sugar. That's my if I'm like out, if it's like an event, I want like a sweeter coffee. But if I'm just at home and I'm <laughs> trying to survive and wake up, then it's close to black. Yeah. I do also a matcha uh, iced tea uh, from Starbucks. I'll get that too. That's fine. It's decent. Uh, they also wanted to know, J Herb, uh, follow up question uh, favorite indie game of the year so far? Tinykin for me. Really loved Tinykin. Took me by surprise. You guys have, a, have any? Minus Tunic. Tunic is God of War might knock it out for me, but currently Tunic is my favorite game of the year because of the last puzzle and not like spoiling anything about it. But some of like what Blake was talking about in Immortality of realizing like, oh, this is what I'm doing. Like I had a moment like reading the manual in Tunic and like having this like revelation of like, oh, my God, this is what this is. And that's like. It makes you feel smart. It's one of those. I don't know. I I couldn't. I'm. I also didn't look up any, up any guides for it. Like it was the thing where I struggled just enough that when I got the answer, it was so satisfying. That was just like one of my like best game experiences. Yeah, mine would probably be Neon Light, which I guess isn't really indie. Well, it's yeah, like aesthetically it's a, indie. What but, is indie ultimately, yeah. right? But well, uh, I, I mean, I, if we're being holistic about it then probably yeah immortality even though that was published by netflix on mobile but yeah one of those two games <laughs> it's so funny to me like whenever people talk about indie like the the sort of the genesis point is people will be like journey right like journey that is the defining indie experience that I'm game like, made for the millions game published of dollars by Sony? <laughs> yeah <laughs> that they've been very open about how many millions yeah. it cost yeah i mean which is it It does have that kind of, there's something about it. there's an aesthetic it's more an aesthetic than an actual like definition cell so. shaded is indie <laughs> <laughs> wind it. waker is my favorite yeah. indie game so yeah. indie yeah. yeah all right here we go um just do a couple more of these uh lucas adams from the overblood facebook group uh asked having played through elden ring uh yakuza like a dragon god of war ragnarok this year i feel like there's so many Ways to do a side quest well, whether it's rewarding exploration, giving you a fun and unique minigame, or forming bonds with great characters. What do you believe makes the best side quests? Which is a, it's a big question. The ones I can easily ignore. I don't do side stuff in games. Don't. What about even in Ragnarok? You didn't do the side stuff? There's really good side stuff in Ragnarok. Absolutely not. You're missing like crucial <laughs> character moments by skipping yeah. all that. You didn't find the. The uh, you didn't save the whale or the giant uh, jellyfish in the sky. I did do the jellyfish actually. Yeah, that's that's uh, side quest, man. That's good. That's you know good what? Side no, you know what drives me crazy is when games force their side content on you. Here, you know what? I'm writing this down for Blake has bad opinions next okay. week. Blake <laughs> doesn't like side. Great. Let's just have a running doc of every time Blake <laughs> says something someone doesn't like. I'm like, I don't like what he said about oranges. Let's <laughs> go in the. Document. I love oranges. RGG games do this constantly, where they're like four side quests on you you'll be walking around and then it'll stop you and you'll hear that little guitar ditty and you're like here we go i gotta read through nine hours of text just to be like i'm not helping you don't give it its own if it needs its own separate tutorial i yeah my eyes glaze over like if it's like oh there's a board game you can play in the middle of this oh yeah rpg i'm like not for me but like if there's actual like 
like character moments right because that's that's the best thing for me is like it's not necessarily like important to the story but important to character building if, if you can pull that off then it's like yeah make it worth my time to do for sure i guess i did a bunch of the side stuff in persona 5 royal so i like side stuff that gives me a sweet girlfriend sweet <laughs> virtual <laughs> girlfriend that's maybe a bit problematic when you consider the age difference <laughs> you have an answer for that charles what makes yeah side I, I agree with the the character moments thing i actually just did the whale thing in god of war this morning because i remember you had mentioned there was like a really early side quest that it's wild that people might miss and i actually went back and did it and just at the point i was at in the game some things had changed and i was surprised that like it was clear that if i had done it in the moment some things would have been a little different than how it it shook out when i was at there in the certain game I know exactly what you're saying. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. And I thought that was really cool. That they cut that they that they account for that, right? Yeah. Yes. That's wild. But also, uh I I think it, it has to f- I want uh, see, I think I think there's different camps of this, right? Like I I don't like really like delving into like an open world map and doing everything unless I'm like done with the game and I've decided I want more of it. Like there's games I'll go back and I want 100 percent it because I like it so much, but I'm usually just really into the story. So something I really like is in like the Spider-Man games where you're in between a mission. He's like, all right, I got like an hour to kill. Let me do something where, like it doesn't feel like like sometimes in God of War, it doesn't make sense to me that Kratos would not go and do this really important pressing thing he's doing right now and be like, actually, I'm going to go to this other realm and check out these birds. <laughs> See how many birds I can hit with my axe. I don't care about these people that might die. That's always like a, a suspension of disbelief thing for me. Yeah, that's a bit very video game thing. Cool. All right. Well, I I asked for questions on various Game Informer uh, platforms. So I'm going to rapid fire a bunch of these questions because since I was the one asking, they asked questions about me specifically. Mm. Um, so this is Nick Rees from the Overbud group asked a bunch of things. Uh, and maybe you guys don't even, won't even know what I'm talking about. I don't know. But uh, why did you use the van in the replay showdown? I used the van because I thought all the cars had the same stats and I didn't think it would matter. So I thought it would be funny to use the van. Uh, what inspired the six stunts series and will it be returning? Unlocking the motorcycle in Breath of the Wild is what inspired that. And I like Donkey videos because he edits a bunch of funny bits together and i wanted to do something like that where i edited a bunch of funny bits together and that's how that started will it be returning i'm open to it but no i don't have any plans um can we get another hilliard yule log this year no i did the one that one's fine you can go track it down it's just like there's it's on game informers youtube channel it's like an hour of me in front of a fire i don't want to do that again you can just watch that one uh nick DePaulo from the overblood group on facebook asks what does it feel like having the pokemon company still not acknowledge that they stole your likeness uh, Professor Mirror in Pokemon New Pokemon Snap looks exactly like me, and I'm still waiting for a check. I don't know what something got lost in the mail there. I don't know. It's it's frustrating, frankly. Um, and then Lucas Harris from the Overblood Group on Facebook asks, "Will we get a Shenmue Three Super Replay eventually?" Uh, I would only do it with Reiner, and I imagine he's very busy now. But who knows? Maybe someday. Maybe maybe Reiner will come back and we'll play some Shenmue Three together. <laughs> Uh, and that's it. That's it for questions. You guys got any plugs? Plugs, Blake? Plugs, Charles? There's some. There's some questions in here. These look good. What do you look? What? What are you? What? What are you talking I'm about? I'm in the Where? Game Informer Discord. <laughs> oh, okay. We'll save them for next week. We got to wrap uh, up. These are for the replies, but I want to answer this one. This one looks good. All right, make it quick. Don't give me a limp biscuit <laughs> okay. monologue. Sorry, J Herb Twenty Four, who asked this for the reply section. Maybe you'll get multiple answers. 
Uh, do any GI editors have a cover story they dream of writing? Isn't that a good question? It is a good question, yeah. Yeah, I can't skip that one. Kyle. Oh, you want me to answer it? I want us all to answer it. Oh, Tears of the Kingdom, I guess. Come on, dream bigger. That's like, there's a pretty good chance that might happen. Oh, I mean, like a Play Dead cover. Whatever oh. Play Dead's working on next. Do you, I don't know if we would. Play Dead is like the upper echelon, I think, of indie we would consider. It might, cover, maybe, you know? yeah. But yeah, to talk to them would be amazing. I would want. I don't think I would. I would get it. But Spider Man Two, big big Spider Man fan, just learning about that. That'd be so cool. Um, also, uh, freaking. And again, I don't. I don't know if this hits cover story levels of of uh, public intrigue. But Earthblade is the next game that the Celeste people are making. I just want to. Oh, know uh, that'd be know cool. about that. I don't know. I've turned down cover stories. <laughs> so now to think of one I would want to write is hard. I thought you had a pressing answer to this. And that was I know. Fine. You're the one. Like, I was trying it. to wrap up the podcast. And I you're just like liked the idea of the question. <laughs> what if we made a, a video game of uh, Blake Hester's A Bad Opinion? I oh. wish we would do more covers that weren't previews. I know that's our business model and we oh, have like, to do like it. Oh, like games that have already come out? Or just like, in, like we've done the VR thing. Cork did mm. that PlayStation oral history. Like I, those are the ones I would be really into. For a long time, I was chasing down a story about Rockstar New York. And I might revisit that, so I'm not going to say more about it. But like that was one I wanted to do as a cover where I was like, Hey, what was it like in New York at this specific point in history? And that's like not tied to like the next hot thing. I wish we did more of that. I understand why we can't or why we don't. We can, but I understand. It would be interesting. Things like that would be the cover stories I want to write where we devote like 20 pages to like a pivotal thing in the industry or in the like a historically relevant moment in game. Yeah. Yeah, Or just like a report or something, you know, like a deep dive. Like that would be cool. Those would be the ones I would want to do. Well, uh, Blake, you ceded your plugs time to a question That's that fine. you didn't even want to answer for some reason. I did want to answer it. I answered it. I, I gave my <laughs> uh, answer. Follow Charles and I on Twitter and Hive. I guess we're on there now, too. We're not going to share the names. You just got to go track them down. Do your best. <laughs> you'll figure it out. Yeah, follow, you'll figure it out. Follow uh, me at Radmir on Twitter. <laughs> no, don't, because he wanted to ask about a question. I told you, you don't get a plug. Uh, all right, here we go. Uh, let's see. Make sure to leave us a review wherever you review podcasts. You can also find us on Discord, and uh, you can send questions to be read on this very show there, as we've proven today. Um, and uh, if you need some help joining that Discord community, you know our contact information is is pretty readily available. Our email addresses are public. We'll help you out. You can send us an email, and we'll forward you to Alex or something like that. And uh, speaking of Alex, he should be back next week. We'll get the, he'll get the podcast back on rails. He'll eliminate my uh, weekly segments that I established. <laughs> you know, he'll clean it all up. He'll take care of it. But uh, thank you so much for listening, and uh, tune in next week. Thanks so much, everybody. Bye. Bye.